welcome to the Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB Pro figure athlete, turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. Sarah Fennell, welcome to the Business of Health. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, David. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm excited for today's show for two reasons. Because way back in episode 36 of this show, we had Mr. Sarah Fennell on and he crushed it. So I know that you're probably going to bring the fire as well. And secondly, I know that you are two things. Number one, a nerd of marketing, just like me. And number two, a nerd of high performance. So... When I heard that, I was like, yep, me and Sarah, we're going to get along really well. So I want to ask first and foremost, because I love getting the story of how people kind of got where they are. You started doing the online business type thing in 2011. Why was that? Yeah, that's that's an interesting story. And I I like to say I kind of fell into business uh, because I wasn't the like typically now people look around and they think, Oh, an online business. Cool. I want to do that. And then they start laying out all the foundations to do that. I kind of did a little bit of the opposite way where it kind of accidentally happened. So, you know, taking us back a little bit further, I did the typical route of, you know, after high school, you know, get a continuing education, get good grades, get a good paying, secure job. And I did that as a dental hygienist. That was what you were taught by your parents, right? Have a typical life, you know, get a normal job. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, you know, in in this generation and in our age gap here, that's what you did because that's all that our parents' generation knew for success. The, The online space was not what it is today. So there weren't many options. So I did that, became a dental hygienist and very quickly felt so unfulfilled, felt drained and realizing like I felt stuck. I was like, is this all there is? Like, this can't be success. This can't be happiness. I'm supposed to do this for like 30 years of my life. There's no freaking way. So with having that unfulfillment is when I had found fitness, trying to propel myself into goals. When I became a hygienist, I moved to a city where I knew nobody. So I got working out at the gym to pass some time and, and meet some people. Very quickly realizing that I'm a goal-oriented person, I didn't want to just go to the gym and not have any purpose for doing it. I guess I'm a very, I noticed that was my, my benchmark for notice. I'm a very purposely driven person. So this is where I found competitive fitness shows and with going through that process. So this is 2008. We're going back a little bit further. I realized that, wow, you can transform your body by really manipulating food exercise. And if you do it in a really short amount of time, you can have massive transformation and going through and doing that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, you know, it gave me purpose and it pretty much, it made me feel alive and I'm kind of someone, and I sure, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of coaches are, as you're learning something, you naturally feel that need to want to share it with the world. So that's what I started doing on this thing called YouTube back in 2009 was just sharing my fitness journey, sharing nutrition, exercise, and it started gaining quite a bit of attention from women who wanted help with transforming their bodies. 
So I started getting a lot of people reaching out. And for two years, I did that when finally my girlfriend who just learned how to make websites said, Sarah, you're helping so many people for free. Why don't we throw up a website and you can offer some online coaching services? So this is back in 2011 before like online coaching and online training was really a thing. So I thought, okay, let's get some education behind me, get some certifications some qualifications to do this. And I launched a website and within 30 days I had replaced my dental hygiene income with an online business. Wow. Now I did, I was like, cool, let's like pay off some student debt. I didn't have a car at the time. I'm living at like a really shitty apartment, downtown Ottawa in uh, Ontario, Canada. And I really just wanted to make some extra money, credit card debt out the yin yang. I never really thought it would be an actual business. So that's why I say I accidentally fell into it. And people can think of that as an overnight success, but I would not have had that success if it wasn't for the two years of foundation and groundwork that I had done with putting so, so, so much value out into the online space and, and cultivating a community of people who enjoyed following my journey because they were getting value from it as well. So that was how my online business started back in 2011. I would love to really dive into uh, like the marketing and everything that you've learned around that in the last, I don't know what it is, eight years or whatever. But we're here to talk about high performance. And I wanted to begin on kind of a low note because in getting ready for this show, it sounds like you had a period in your life where you experienced kind of the opposite to high performance after what sounds like a pretty traumatic event or experience in a nightclub when you were 19. Now, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Feel free not to. But what was life like for you when you went through this low phase? Because I feel like that's a really good kind of polarity to high performance. Yeah, definitely a huge polarity. So when I was 19, like you said, I was in a nightclub and uh, a girl that I knew, I just met her boyfriend for the first time. There was probably about 20 of us out. It was a big event. And I ended up witnessing him being stabbed in the throat in his jugular about 18 times by another gentleman in the bar with a confrontation. So watching someone be stabbed in the throat, in the jugular, blood everywhere, you know, people rushing to him, falling to the ground. You know, I remember like watching the pool of blood form out from his body as he's bleeding out. And it's such a surreal moment when you stand there. You know, I'm sure we all watch crime shows and movies and we see violence, but when it's actually happening to you in real life, I was just, I was frozen. And after going through something like that, at such a young age, not knowing how to even deal with that type of trauma, it led me down a path of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sex abuse. Like I just threw myself into a very detrimental world for so many years. And it was actually going through massive depression, a huge cocaine addiction. I remember counting one time, I was 31 days high on cocaine and trying to function in life, but not really functioning. My mom ended up pulling me out of a house after I missed a lunch with her. I'd been up partying all night and basically at the end of my wits and saying I, I wanted to take my life. And I was just, I was so depressed and miserable. You know, she, she put me in the hospital and, and I got, you know, help at that point for the depression. And that's actually how I found fitness was coming out of that and realizing, okay, so certain types of activities and foods and performance can affect the way I feel. And that was my gateway into health and nutrition and fitness with realizing, like what you said, at the polar opposite of, you know, like even a normal functioning human being and having to pull myself out of that. 
Now, you know, I, I have a bit of an addictive personality. I know that I definitely went the full opposite way and into like massive competing and a super strict lifestyle. But throughout the years, I, I've learned to really quote unquote balance my efforts and really learned about high performance because I went from the polarity of like rock bottom, nothing depressed, wanting to end my life to these extremes of fitness and burning myself out so many times. And as someone who wants to do awesome things in life, and I'm sure your audience are, are high achievers and, and want to be at ultimate high performance, we want to have our hands in a lot of things. We want to do a lot of stuff. We want to impact a lot of people. And in order to sustain that high energy and that efficiency with what we do in our time, we need to optimize who we are so that we can perform at the highest level too, without going through these like spikes and, and downfalls of, of energy and mental clarity and motivation. So that's my whole premise behind high performance is going from like one extreme to like the other of burnout and really just trying to find, find that fine balance. I want to come back to energy in just a second, but, yeah. and I'm not sure if you had ever heard Jim Rohn say this at the time, but he's of the strong belief. And of course we all agree with him that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time around. Now at one point, I'm guessing that to have a commute, uh, to, to, to kind of live that sort of a lifestyle, you need to have a community of people around you who are like partying all the time as well and, and doing the same sort of stuff as you. At one point, you moved city to get away from your five people, which sounds like a great strategy to deal with that. But for people in the audience, that's probably a little bit more high intensity than what they kind of need if there are people in their life who don't share the same high performance values as them. Have you got a, like a lower intensity alternative to that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we talk about high performance, there are like six main things that I like to focus on that I do teach on and we can go through that. And your circle of influence is actually number three of, of what I, what I teach and coach on because who you hang out with, the levels of conversation that you have, even, you know, what you watch on TV, what you're scrolling through on social media, all of that information that you're taking in affects the way you feel. And it sets the standard for what's okay in your life. So if you want to raise that level of standard in your life and you want bigger and better things, you need to get around people who inspire you, who motivate you, who have those same habits and mindset of what you want. Now, obviously we can't cut everybody out from our life, but even, you know, not from the extreme of moving cities and, and ejecting myself from that, I've even noticed over the past two years, there are people who I've weeded out of my life. There are different circles of friends that come in. So I don't think it's about completely axing everybody from your life, but doing a really good audit of number one, the conversations that you're having with people. That's the biggest thing. Are these conversations uplifting? Do you feel full? Do you feel energized when you leave these conversations or are you feeling drained? Are you talking about drama? Are you just, you know, unloading all your baggage to people or are they unloading it to you? That those type of conversations are so low vibrating, like very low energy. And that, that is going to affect you for hours or even days after you see those people. And you don't really understand that compounding effect of energies and conversations until you start really, really elevating your life. So I would just suggest to people to do an audit and maybe just be a bit more mindful with who you're spending your time with. So before we get into the, the other pillars, if you will, of high yeah. performance, I know you've been working on this, this skill for want of a better word for about four years now is high performance just like a an ability to get things done or a productivity obsession or, or something like that? Or is it a little bit more holistic? 
it's definitely a little bit more holistic. And if you think about, you know, a lot of your audience here, there are business owners. They're wanting to do big things. You know, you would probably want a business because you want freedom. You want more choice. You want to be able to do more things. You know, you probably want to make a lot of money and have a big impact. And in order to do that, there's certain skills that you need. If you want to be able to travel and work and run a family and have the body of your dreams, high performance, what I think of is you can have it all. Anything you want in life, the best relationship, the best body, the best business, the best, you know, friendships and and communication that you have with people. And if you want all that, it takes a lot of work. And like with that holistic word you used, I love that because it is holistic. I don't think it's just one area because that's not high performance. If you have an amazing business with, uh, you know, all, all the money you want, but your health is suffering and you're not happy in your relationships, is that really fulfillment and high performance? To me, no. So I definitely think it's a holistic. It's you can have everything you want in life. And that's what high, high performing habits and, and skills will do for you. Absolutely. So thing number one of the seraphinal manifesto <laughs> of high performance the, is the start, start yeah. with you. Now, Tony Robbins says that in order for us to achieve at a high level, we need to be energy rich. You won't always feel like that. I won't always feel like that. But what he forgot to mention is that we have a great amount of control over how we feel. Obviously, we know that as health experts, but this is something that you talk about a lot, being in the right kind of energy and the right kind of state. So talk to me about thing number one, start with you. Yeah, what it, it's you and it's your health. And we have various different areas of health that we can work on. I really think of like four things. There's your physical health, your internal health, your um, mental health, and your spiritual health. So if you want to be able to handle a lot of clients, if you want to jump on podcasts and talk, if you want to speak on stages, you better feel freaking amazing. And my health has been up and down throughout the years. And it's been really optimizing my own health on all those different fronts that actually make me want to show up and do things and feel alive and feel energetic. Because if you're if your physical health is not in, like, if you don't feel confident in your body, you're not going to want to step on stages and talk to people. You're not going to want to jump on and have, you know, client consultations. If your internal health is not great. Uh, I had that. I had breast implants that destroyed the heck out of my body. I had fibromyalgia, brain fog, joint pain, inflammation, like digestive issues. And that almost destroyed my entire life. Mental health. You know, if you aren't mentally sharp, if you aren't, you know, creative and coming up with ideas, if you're not articulate with your words, if you can't, you know, communicate with people, you know, you're not going to feel very great either. And then, you know, spiritual or grace or God or or source, however you want to word that, I definitely feel that there needs to be a connection to a higher power that's bigger than you that you are working with. You mentioned taking out the breast implants and that must have been like, I don't know if that was a hard decision for you to make, but I feel like high performers when they think about the importance of energy and good health and our ability to work and get stuff done, we're great at making short-term sacrifices for long-term gains and also passing up, what's the word that we use? Instant gratification. Would you say that's a trait that's very strong for high performers? Very much. And I think, you know, with high performance, we all have these different levels that we see ourselves at. And we know that in order to get to the next level, there's certain things that you're going to have to do. So I'm obsessed with my internal health because I know what it's like to feel awful and have brain fog and realize that like something's not right. 
Um, and that's what my breast implants really made me notice. So when you are a high performer and let's say like you want to like speak on stages or, you know, do public speaking or run courses for people or, you know, run retreats, whatever that is. And you realize that maybe your, your confidence is low or your energy is low. You're like, you're tired. Like, I think we know when something just doesn't feel right. And those who are high performers don't settle for just mediocre. Like, I don't want to just feel okay every day. I want to feel freaking amazing and energized and full of life because I know that's going to transfer into any of the work that I'm doing in the world. So I definitely think just high performers, they're really in tune with how they're functioning internally. What about the ability to go from work mode where the obsession is I'm working, nothing is going to distract me, I'm here to focus and get things done and nothing else to rest mode or family mode or social time. A high performer is really good at making that transition as well, would you think? Uh, I think that's something that people work on over the years. It's definitely been a work in progress for me because I've, again, went from polar opposite. It's really hard for you because you're married to your business partner. So I can imagine (laughs) that you've got it. You've got it tough. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great because Joe and I, we, we schedule things. And I think that's the, the main thing is scheduling. And Joe has two kids from a previous relationship. So actually having the children part-time allow us to, like on Tuesday and Wednesdays, we don't have the kids. So we actually stop working at 3 p.m. so that we go and pick them up from school. Now, those days on Tuesday and Wednesday are super productive because we have deadlines and a timeline to get things done. And I think the more structured your life is, like people think they want freedom. Freedom doesn't just come to you. Freedom come to you, comes to you when you create the structure and the deadlines and the times of high efficiency so that you can have those moments of quote unquote freedom. So, you know, if people, you know, want to feel like they get more done and be, or be highly efficient or be able to shut off at certain times, just make sure you schedule it so that you're not feeling guilty in the off times feeling like you should be working. So let's talk about that right now, because I know you are big in planning and and having that kind of structure. Your week looks like, what is it? Monday admin, Tuesday to Thursday is clients and you do podcast interviews. And then Friday and Saturday is your mastermind. Yep. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Fridays are, are hit and miss. Sometimes I'll go out and do lunches or, you know, catch up with certain people or creative work, uh, or we're teaching on those days. Um, Saturday and Sunday, bit of a whim. Sometimes we're working, sometimes we're off depending, but we're usually busy with the kids' schedules every other weekend throughout the month. So would you recommend that before someone tries to achieve high performance by sitting down at the start of the day, or actually probably better to say the night before and thinking, what am I going to achieve tomorrow? They should kind of silo their time like this. Yeah, I think everybody should schedule their time. And now whatever schedule is going to work for you is the best. And I believe in blocking off time. So like Monday is my admin work. It's creative work. I'll record solo podcasts on my own. And I think everybody can understand it's hard when you only have like half an hour or an hour to dive into a project. So that's why Mondays are like my project days, my solo recording podcast days, admin days. So I can just know I'm at my computer content creating or communicating back and forth with people. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are my client coaching days. So I'm not worried that, okay, after this coaching call, then I need to dive into like creative work and then dive back into coaching. It's really hard because you need to be in different states. Again, if you want to perform at the highest, block off the time so that you can be in different states. That was going to be my follow-up question because the experience and the kind of energy that we need to bring to working with a client one-on-one is very different to sitting down and thinking, I got to make a podcast. What am I going to talk about? 
So would you recommend that people have blocks where they're doing creative stuff or working with clients or doing admin or like tech things or, or maybe like scheduling emails or, or that sort of stuff so that, I mean, everyone knows that there's a cost of transitioning, right? Like if I go from talking to you to looking at my phone, I have to recover from that. But if I go from that creative state to that coaching state and then I try to go back to being creative, there's like time lost there as well. So would you recommend that that's where people look? Yeah, absolutely. And just like do a good mental check. Like if you feel like you're in chaos mode and all over the place and that you're not really productive, change your schedule. And, and like I said, with states, it's hard. Like when we do coaching, you're giving a lot to the people that you're talking to. So then it's really hard. Like it's impossible for me to go from coaching to creative. It's impossible. It, it's just, it's never the best work that comes out. And, and again, that's just like years of me really understanding how I operate best. Which requires a huge level of self-awareness. Now, if pillar number one of Sarah Fennell's six steps to high performance is start with you and then there's planning in there as well and your community, does self-awareness get a shout out or what's the next thing that uh, people need to look at? Um, I think self-awareness can stem through all of them because with high performance and, and like, you know, the human body, which is miraculous, we're always looking to improve. So I think we always need to be self-aware and there's, oh, I mean, I perform better now than when I did six months ago, than when I did a year previous to that. So I think always just checking in and saying, okay, where can I improve or where am I not operating best? So self-awareness needs to be there all the time. Um, the next pillar you were asking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say after, after start with you, after planning, then we need to go into, um, circle of influence. So who are you being influenced by? So we already talked about that number. And then the one after that is your intimate relationship. Your emotions will affect the way you perform. So anybody who's in an intimate relationship, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, fiance, if there is emotional drama there, or if there is not open communication, or if there is not support and trust in that relationship, it is going to affect every other part of your life. I mean, we've all been through breakups here, right? Like emotions, they literally paralyze you and you can't think. So if you want to perform at your highest, your intimate relationship needs to be in check. And I mean, I've been up and down in relationships and that's something that Joe and I, because we run a business together, we spend a lot of time together. We live together. Um, we work a lot, like very hard on our personal relationship because we know it affects everything else. So what about on, if that's a really big level look at at the strong emotions that intimate relationships can give us. What about on a smaller level? Because every single one of us day to day experience emotions that can throw us off. Like someone cuts us off in traffic and, and makes us pissed off. Or maybe you get on a coaching call with a client and they say, Sarah, this is not working. Uh, I don't want to see you anymore. And then you've got to go and try and be happy for your next client, even though you're like, damn, I lost that one. Like, how do we deal with this? Is Does it help high performers to know that we experience emotions, we aren't emotions, like I'm feeling angry, not like I am an angry person right now. Would that help or how else can we deal with these, these troubling emotions? Managing emotions, that's a really good topic. And I think the biggest question that people need to ask themselves is, is this worth my time? And, and I actually saw a quote on Instagram, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and it said, if you had a million dollars and someone stole $10 of that, would you throw away the rest of the money because someone stole $10 of it? Chances are you wouldn't. But if 
someone in your day pissed you off for two seconds, would you allow that to ruin the rest of your day? Some people, right? And some people let that happen. They let small little incremental things affect the rest of their day and the rest of their mood. So managing your emotions and, and asking yourself, okay, is this worth me coming into this drama or getting upset with this or, you know, raising my emotions for something that's probably so minuscule? Save your emotions for the shit that matters. Instagram is where all the smartest quotes live. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. Good place to go to get life coaching the old Instagram. What about the perfectionist's lie? Because I've heard you say this before. Don't spend too much time getting ready. Get yourself ready mid-race. The perfectionist lie. Mm. Yeah. So many people are getting ready to get ready to get ready. And I mean, I, I, I'm definitely a perfect. I like to make sure that I present myself in a way. I definitely want to make sure that what I give to clients is not, you know, subpar of my abilities, but getting stuff done and out there is better than you thinking it's the final mastered piece because you will always be you're changing things like Joe and I run a mentorship and we've never run the same mentorship twice. It's just, there's always that step back and that evaluation and that self-awareness. Where can I improve? You know, your websites are always going to change. Maybe your podcast art might change. Like stuff does change and it evolves, but if you're waiting and waiting and waiting to even get it out, you never even allow for that evolution phase to, to happen. I would always say, 10 weeks of like practicing for a podcast or getting all the right podcast logo stuff done and working on your music and all that sort of stuff. The value that you can get by 10 weeks of perfecting is nowhere near as valuable as the 10 weeks that you can get from practicing and actually doing yeah. it. And to be honest, yeah. most people don't, don't get the first version, right? I mean, I'm sure your first mastermind wasn't as good as the most recent one that you did. And I would bet that there were less people there as well. So most people aren't really going to see the early version. So Brenda Johnson, your NLP coach, what kind of high performance lessons has she taught you? Because I have done an NLP certification myself. Wasn't particularly good if I'm honest. I'm not sure how I feel about NLP, but I'd be interested to learn what kind of high performance lessons have you learned from Brenda? Yeah, Brenda's taught me a lot. She's actually part of our coaching program now this year, 2019. So we've brought a mindset coach on because, I mean, we're business coaches, but if people aren't going to get into action, if they got uh, mindset blocks and limiting beliefs. So I actually started, Brenda's been a client of ours. And then I started working with her last summer in 2018, because after I had my breast implants removed, brain fog was gone. Energy went back through the roof. Felt like I got my life back. I went into overdrive with everything. I started having massive anxiety. I couldn't shut off around Joe or the kids, couldn't enjoy my weekends because I was feeling like I had to work all the time. So with this high anxiety, this overwhelm happening, I went to Brenda and I was like, oh my God, Brenda, like you need to help me with this. And Brenda helped me realize through NLP and, and what she does is hypnosis work that I had a I'm not good enough factor in me which was pushing me into overdrive because I was sick for two years, um, made me feel like I was behind on, on things. So hypnosis and NLP and Brenda's great because she does in-person work along with giving you tracks to be able to listen to before bed as well. And what NLP does is it allows you to reprogram the stories in your mind. Obviously you understand this, you had the training. Um, you know, there's many stories and beliefs that we, we tell ourselves. And I had the belief of, 
um, I'm not good enough, so I need to do more. So, you know, that led me to being a massive high achiever. It led me into burnout after burnout. It led me to high performance, but I never felt like I could sustain or be comfortable at the level I was at. I was always searching for more, searching for more. And I think, you know, in order to feel successful, we need to feel fulfillment and contentment for everything that we have. So Brenda has helped me live more in the moment. She's helped me uh, have more gratitude for everything that I've accomplished. She's helped me feel at ease with the level I'm at, even though I'm searching for higher levels all the time and just helping me rewrite that story in my mind. How do we go about identifying that story? Because a couple of weeks ago on the show, we had Sean Croxton helping us do that around money specifically. And I feel like this is a really big key because the story that we tell ourselves, we literally live out every single day and it can help us achieve and perform at a better level or hold us back from that. So I know like when I think about this, I heard someone say a while ago, write down like a really big goal for yourself for 2019. Like I want to make $250,000 or I should make a million dollars this year, but, and then see what you write as the reason why you're not going to do it. And that's your story. So what, how can people figure out what their story is? What specific tools have you used? I know there's, I mean, it's probably, probably hard to give an answer to this when you've been coached one-on-one with this area, but what, like, how do we uncover that story? Yeah. Um, I will say that this, this isn't actionable for anybody, but what Brenda did is she put me into a hypnosis state and when you're hypnotized, you can talk. So she asked me questions and she brought things out in me. I think for anybody listening here to do it on their own, you know, look at, okay, why do I not want to market myself? Why do I not want to increase my prices? Um, you know, why do I, uh, you know, not, why, why do I procrastinate? And I think just kind of journaling or writing down maybe the reasons for doing things or the, why you're scared to do something, um, can really help bring that out because it's hard to identify unless you're being a self-aware and then looking for patterns and everybody has patterns and looking at what are the patterns happening in your life and then start to, shift that or at least be aware of it. And I, 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 it takes a lot of practice. It takes regimen. It takes routine and repetitiveness to actually change a habit or a thought in your life. I love that. God, I want to get hypnotized so bad just to see what comes up. I want to be hypnotized. (laughs) It's interesting. Ever since working with her, I'm noticing, and as you start to notice some of the limitations, because some people are just very not self-aware at all. You're like, I don't know why my business isn't growing. I'm not making any money. Like clients come on, clients fall off. And you think it's very all surface when actually it's you. Mm -hmm. As soon as you can realize like, okay, I am the limiting factor in my life. It's not the next system. It's not the next launch model. It's not paid ads. It's, you know, you need to figure out what is that limiting factor in yourself. And once you start uncovering those, you're almost more self-aware to other stuff happening. And as soon as you start to shift that mindset and those limitational beliefs in your mind, it starts to compound. That's what I found for myself. So what about if that's the story of how we approach our lives? What about the story of how we approach our day? Because I know you have some specific tips on this. I know you do meditation in the morning to get yourself in that right state. You send out emails to your mailing list in the morning. How do you kind of like, how did you figure out how your day should look? Because I'm sure it wasn't just you sat in front of a calendar and went, well, you know, I'll do this and then I'll do this. And then maybe I'll exercise at like two. I'm sure that it was very deliberate to find what worked for you. Talk me through that. Yeah. Um, again, this comes back to self-awareness. I've been running my business for eight years and definitely when I had quit my hygiene job and went full-time into my business, I would 
fill my day with stuff and never do any work. I would procrastinate. I'd be like 10 o'clock watching Netflix, trying to do work. And I think it's just over the years of realizing, okay, how do I perform my best? And if you want to take on more clients, if you want to launch more services, the bigger you want your business to be, the more efficient you need to be. So that's why I've just kind of, you need to look at, okay, where do I operate best? Some people are great at nighttime. I'm not. I know that after two, three o'clock at night, it's hard for me to get into creative stuff. It's hard for me to want to sit in front of my computer the longest. So the bulk amount of my work is done at the beginning of my day because that's when I'm the sharpest, I feel the best, I'm the most energized and most motivated. So that's when I'm going to do my work. And then I can enjoy the, you know, the rest of my day past two, three, four o'clock. Should that be a rule for everyone else? Because I know you and I are morning people like when we booked this session and it's like, 0 a.m. at the moment for me now when I booked in on your calendar I looked at it, I was like yes that's a great reason to go to bed at like quarter to nine <laughs> quarter <laughs> to nine last night so I can wake up early get things done and then go to bed early as well some people just genuinely don't work like that some people do prefer to or have more energy at night and struggle getting up in the morning which is okay if it's not impacting your health and if you're sensible about it so does this again come back to just being honest with actually what does work best for you and not not making up a story like, Oh, waking up in the morning early is, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that, even though that might be what, what could be best for you. Yeah. Um, it's very individual. My girlfriend, Emma, she works till about two o'clock in the morning. She sleeps in till nine, 10 o'clock AM. Like it's just, that's just how she operates. She's running a very high, highly functional business. So again, like what you said, I think it's being honest with yourself. Like when are you the most productive and making sure that you're self-disciplined with that time? Because majority of people don't actually really get their businesses off the ground because they don't understand themselves when they operate best and they're not self-disciplined enough. So you know, when do you feel most alert? And I think a really good exercise for people is when do you have those sparks of inspiration or when do you find your mind is most creative? And that, that's the time when you, when you should be working because you're most alert. You know, if we're tired or fatigued or we're forced to sit down and do something, your best work is not going to come forward. Now, we've spoken about some things that are very challenging today, like doing stuff that maybe we don't feel like doing or that might be challenging and choosing to give up stuff that that might give us instant gratification or feel like it's re it's easy to, to do that gets in the way of us being a high performer and, and living the life that we should. I have to ask if you stop doing all the challenging work of being a high performer, can you imagine that your life would get better in any way? I, I enjoy the challenge and I think far too many people are looking for the easy way out. We don't feel satisfaction from something that comes easy. And I think the best thing that I ever did was be so immersed in the highly competitive world, getting ready for fitness competitions, winning my IFBB pro card, being on the cover of magazines, like getting your body into top shape because it, that I transferred so much of that disciplined action because for three or four months I had to eat you know, the same thing day after day at certain times, you know, as certain, my meal plan was non-negotiable. Training was non-negotiable. Cardio twice a day was non-negotiable. I had to say no to a lot of things in life. I had to, you know, eat out of my Tupperware at, you know, birthdays and not be able to eat their food. So when you can practice discipline for your outcome that you want, like, and, and let go with that instant gratification, that's when things are actually going to grow for you because you don't get so 
success over that instant gratification. You don't get success from the easy stuff. You, you grow and you learn lessons and you get better. If you want a bigger business, if you want to handle more people, do bigger things, you need to learn the lessons along the way. Everybody wants a seven figure business. Awesome. Cool. But you know, you're not going to get that unless you've learned along the way. It's like, I think everybody can understand this analogy. When we go to work out at the gym, you know, if, if you've never worked out before, you can't grab, you know, 50 pound dumbbells or hundred pound dumbbells and expect just to be able to do those repetitions on whatever movement you're doing. There is a progressive load that needs to be in place. And it's the same thing goes for your business. If you're not progressively loading your, you know, your skills, your confidence, your habits, uh, routine regimen. If you're not constantly working on that, there's no way you're ever going to be able to perform at the level you need to for the business you want. So fitness, fitness and business is so transferable for me. I heard someone say recently, I think it was Ed Milet, he said the best business people treat themselves like athletes and the best athletes treat themselves like business people. So what a good note to finish on now. Yeah. Last part of the show, and as I'm about to ask you this question, I realize I've been a bit slack in this area and I've let a couple of my last guests off the hook. But I'm going to get you now, Sarah. Before we, get to the, before we get to the plug, I would love you to set a piece of homework for the listeners so that they could do and do well in the next seven days or whatever, something like that. Yeah. A piece of homework. Mm. I would love your listeners to sit down and write out what areas of their life are they not happy with? You know, is it their body? Is it their mental health? Is it their relationships? Is it their business? You know, what areas in your life are you not happy with? And because you need to identify where you're not happy, where you're not fulfilled and start making the necessary changes because, you know, we all want, we want to love life. And, and that's, I like, that's why my, my podcast is called the fulfillment project, because I think everybody should feel fulfilled. I believe everybody can have absolutely anything that they want, but first they have to identify what needs to change and then start, you know, slowly actioning in some, 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 ha- some actions in order to make that change. All right, let's do the plug. So your podcast, very, very good podcast, The Fulfillment Project. And on your website now, it says iTunes top five rated podcast. Was that recent? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, uh, on launch, I I was top five on my launch date. Congratulations. Very good podcast there. Uh, You also do the very, very good work on Instagram. So you're sarah.fennel when you're on Instagram. So you do really good work there. You've got a resource on your website, sarahfennel.com, that uh, the audience can go and check out. That's double N, double L, which is how I would spell fennel if it was uh, if it was up to me. Sarah, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for coming and talking about high performance. I love nerding out about this sort of stuff. I know you do as well. It's an obsession for me too. And um, yeah, you've done amazing work today. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am sarah.fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 